Welcome Fellowship Asheville. I'm glad you're joining us today. Uh, whether you're here in Asheville or from wherever you are in the world watching, we are glad that you are here with us. Um, if you've been here for a little bit, you noticed that there was a, an announcement slide about what we're calling virtual hangouts. Uh, during this time of social distancing, we really believe staying connected is critically important. And so uh, to, to help us stay connected, uh, we are having virtual hangouts. Um, and, and what these are, these are just opportunities Opportunities to get together virtually, uh, to, to, to grow spiritually together. And so, uh, like I'm having a guy's coffee on Tuesday mornings where we're just going to talk about those, those moments in our life and those things in our life, those, those sermons that we've heard, the songs that we've listened to, those words that we've read uh, that have transformed our lives, that God has used to transform our lives. And so, so I know there's uh, a woman's uh, PJ party that Carol's hosting. Um, uh, I think Brian and Amy Hinch are doing a co-ed group get together. And so here's the deal. We want you to join from wherever you are. But also, if you're, if you're here at Fellowship and you're excited about doing something and you want to invite some people to, to do that with you virtually, whether it's, it's, it's morning exercise or whatever it is, uh, email us and let us know. And we'd love to help set that virtual hangout up because I bet if you're excited about it, there are other people that are excited about it too. And there are other people that would wanna see your face and share that time with you. And so we would love to, to open up that opportunity. So just email Amy and we'll get that all set up. Today though, I wanna ask you about something. Do you know there's a difference between feeling tired and feeling drained, right? Feeling tired means you need a nap right? You, you take a nap, you get a good night's sleep, maybe a couple of good night's sleeps, and, and you're better. You're good. Being drained is something else. Being drained means that your batteries are on empty, right? It means the things that typically give you life and joy and energy, those things are running on low. Now, lately, I've been feeling drained. Right? The things that I typically do that give me life and energy and joy, I simply haven't been able to do. I haven't been able to, to, to be around people. And for an extrovert, y'all, that's real, right? I haven't been able to get out on the trails and hike like I typically do. Things have just been different. And because of that, I notice that I'm just feeling drained and it's a little different than being tired. So let me ask you, are you feeling drained? Are you feeling drained in, in this way? If so, if so, give me a like down below just so I know who my people are as, as I'm preaching this. Because this is what we're going to talk about today is this feeling of being drained. Is there this sense of emptiness in you lately? Because if so, I think today's message can help. Now, now here's the irony of today's message. Because today we're going to see the very last statement Jesus made on the cross. We're going to see his last statement as his life was literally being drained from him. And what we're going to see in that, though, is we're going to see what to do when we feel drained. Now, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 46. And if you're new here, if this is your first time to joining us, first time to join us, or, or if you've joined us before but haven't clicked like or given us any comments, I know that you're here, I invite you to do that so that Amy is our, our director of connections and so she can follow up with you. And, and, and if you want to get connected to church, she can show you how to do that. And so we're glad that you're here. And you can, you can do that in a couple of ways. You can just click like. That lets us know that you're here. 
You can also write something in the comments to let us know that you're here, or you can go to our website and there's a connect card to fill out there. Either way is fine. Amy tracks all of those. We all track all of those and we would love to connect with you. Grab your Bible and turn with us to Luke 23. And as you're finding that passage, I just want to remind you, this is the last week in our series called Empty Tomb, Full Life, where we're looking at the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. And we're looking at those statements through the reality of the resurrection. And in each of these seven statements, what we're seeing is how do you live this full life, this full Christian life? And this week is no different. I believe in this statement today, we're going to see how even when we feel drained, we can experience a full life. And here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see a, a life fully connected with God is a full life. Let me repeat that. We're gonna see a life that's fully connected with God is a full life. Well, let's look at verse 44. Verse 44, uh, Luke says, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you, you've heard this before in the different gospel accounts that, that about uh, Jesus was on the cross for six hours and the last three hours of that time, this, this mysterious darkness came over the land. And we don't know what this darkness was. We don't know if it was, if it was a solar eclipse. We don't, we don't know what the natural side of this was. All we know is that darkness fell over the land. And for a lot of the, the people that were there, this was considered a picture of judgment, right? Like, like judgment was falling on the nation of Israel as Jesus was on the cross. One commentator I read though, I found this so interesting. He connected the six hours that Jesus was on the cross to Genesis. And he, he, he connected those two things that, that, that in Genesis, we see that God created the world in six days and then he did something on the seventh. And so for kids who are chiming in, you've been in Fellowship Kids, you've, you've heard us talk about the creation story. So let me ask you, God created the world in six days and then what did he do on the seventh? Kids, let me hear you, what did he do? He rested, that's right. He rested on the seventh day. Well, what this commentator did is he took that account and connected it to Jesus being on the cross for six hours. And just like God worked, for six days in creation and then rested, Jesus suffered for six hours on the cross and then he too rested. And then he connected what the benefit of God's work was and what the benefit of Jesus' suffering was. That in, in Genesis, the benefit was creation was established in those six days of work and that seventh day of rest. And he said in Jesus, with his six hours of suffering on the cross for us, we didn't get a creation, we got a new creation, right? Because Paul, this, this writer in the New Testament says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. You see, being a new creation is what gives you this fully connected life with God. But how? How, how is this new creation possible? Well, watch this. This is, what, this is what Jesus, I think, is, is modeling and showing us with his, his dying breath as his life is being drained from him. Look at verse 45. It says, while the sun's light failed and a curtain and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So imagine this. In the, in the ancient uh, Hebrew temple, there was this curtain that, that hung. And this one particular curtain was considered by many a curtain of separation. And here's why. 
It hung in this ancient Jewish temple, and on one side of this curtain was the Ark of the Covenant, right? And it was considered to be the place where God rested, where his presence was. Now, obviously, on the other side of that curtain, God's handiwork was seen everywhere. When you read the Old Testament, you see the Spirit of God uh, descending on people, and, and he would show up here, and he would show up there, and he would show up here. But it was the handiwork of God, right? Like, like, like he would be there for a little bit, and then he would leave. And even the nation of Israel, as they followed the presence of God, it was, it was this, this pillar of smoke by day and fire by night, and wherever uh, it went, they went. But eventually, that was gone. Right? When, when, Jesus, when God led them where he wanted them to go, eventually that disappeared. And that's where the tabernacle came into place. And that tabernacle turned into a temple. And, 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 and on this side of the curtain was this Ark of the Covenant. And what's unique about it is it is believed that is where the symbolic place of God's continual presence was. That on this side of the curtain, he would hop, skip, and jump around where needed. But on this side, there was this continual presence of God. And it was separate from everything else because on this side, you had the Ark of the Covenant. On this side of the curtain, you had the rest of creation, all of humanity, all of God's creation. Everything was over here. And so this curtain was this symbolic separation from the continual presence of God and everyone else. Now, let me speak to feeling drained for just a minute because I think there might be something here for us. Maybe, maybe you and I feel drained because we're going through our days like there's this huge curtain separating us from God. Right? Like we've got our day going on and everything going on and God is over here. Maybe what we need to fill our tanks isn't a nap. It's not eating better. Um, it's not exercising more. It's not a positive attitude, although all those things are fantastic and do them. But maybe what we need is to live like this curtain has been torn. Right? Because, because it has. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to have this fully connected life is to live as if this curtain really is torn. You see, when Jesus breathed his last breath, this curtain was torn. Other gospel accounts show that it was torn from the top to the bottom, which is, which is important because here's what this means. It means that God tore the curtain, right? It means that only God could tear this curtain, but also it means that only God would tear this curtain. That God's desire is for us to be fully connected with him, fully connected with this ever-present, continually present God. You see, God's desire is for you and me to be fully connected to him. His presence isn't symbolically separated. This torn curtain shows us that now his presence is obviously available to all people. God's presence is available to you. Let me, let me repeat that. God's presence is available to you. Y'all, the curtain has been torn and there's nothing that separates us from God. Now hear me on this. Nothing separates us from God. Does your sin separate you from God? No. He's ever present. Do your mistakes separate you from God? No, he's ever present. Do your ideals separate you from God? No, he's ever present. Do your failures separate you from God? No, he is ever present. And that ever present God is fully available to you. You see, a full life is fully available to you when you are fully connected to God. 
A full life is fully available to you and you are fully connected to God. That's why Jesus says this with his dying breath. Verse 46, he says, Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. But this was literally the last thing Jesus said on the cross. His last statement was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's interesting, the statement that Jesus made isn't a new one, right? It's a quote from a psalm. It's a quote from Psalm 31.5. And if, if you were one of the Hebrews gathered around the cross, as, as Jesus said this, these words, it would bring something to your mind because this psalm was quoted by, by Hebrews as they went to sleep at night. This was their kind of their good night prayer psalm. When I was a child, I remember my parents teaching me to say my prayer at night. And they taught me a good night prayer to say at night. It went, it went like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now as an adult, that prayer is a little dark, right? <laughs> like like it's, it was me praying as a kid that if I died in my sleep, God would take my soul. But here's what that prayer did for me as a kid. I remember laying in my bed, praying that prayer and feeling comfort because I was doing what Jesus showed us to do. I was doing exactly what Jesus is showing us to do, especially when we feel drained. Now to understand what Jesus is asking us to do, I wanna break this statement apart for us. I want us to look at, at the different phrases in this because I think if we do, we can see what to do when we feel drained. Now notice the first word. The first word is Father, right? Jesus ends his life with a prayer. His first statement on the cross was a prayer and his last statement on the cross was a prayer. And so those gathered around the cross heard Jesus do something with his last breath and what they heard him do is they heard him pray with his last breath. And in him praying when his life is draining away, I think you and I can see what to do when we feel drained. And when I feel drained, I can pray. You see, when you and I feel drained, when we feel like we're on empty and we feel like uh, we need to be recharged, we can pray. And I know, let's get real here for a minute. I know that when you're drained, praying is the last thing you feel like doing. But Jesus is showing us that when we feel drained, his life was literally draining from him, that when we feel drained, we can pray. Because we can pray because we, got this, we have this fully present God who desires to fully connect with us. And so the question is, what, what do you pray when you're drained to be fully connected with God? Well, let's look at what Jesus does. What kind of prayer does Jesus pray? The next phrase is, into your hands. Now think about putting something into someone's hands for just a minute. Now, what are you doing when you put something in someone's hands? You're placing something into their care. Another word for that is trust. And trust simply means to give yourself or give your possessions into the care of someone else. And when you place, your, when you place anything into the hands of someone else, you're trusting them. You ever do a trust fall? Right, where you, you stand uh, with people behind your back and you, you, you cross your arms so you don't elbow them on the way down and then you fall. You're literally placing your care into their hands, right? You're hoping that they're there to catch you. You ever put your money in a bank? 
guess what? You're trusting the bank to take care of your money. You ever go into surgery, particularly one where they knock you out completely, you're placing your care into those doctors and nurses that are working on you. Ever leave your child with a babysitter? You're placing your child into the care and trust of another. Ever let your teenager drive you around somewhere? Yeah, guess what? You're putting your care into your teenager's hands. Now, now here's what's interesting. That last example did something for probably almost all of you, right? Here's the deal with trust. Trust can be scary, right? Trust is scary, especially when you're dealing with a teenage driver. Now, complete side note here. Um, many of you have little kids and you're going to be teaching teenagers to drive soon. And so I want to give you some advice that I asked a mom who had taught three teenagers how to drive. And I said, give me like your, your number one A gold tip from three, teaching three teenagers how to drive. And here's what she told me. She said, pick your position and stay there, right? And here's what she meant. Um, she said the first one and a half kids that she taught to drive, because I think this transition happened with the second kid, uh, she would make all these gyrations, right? As, as, as the, the teenager would make all these mistakes and she would hit the emergency brake, you know, that imaginary brake, not the emergency brake, but the imaginary brake that parents hit. She would, she would, and finally the second teenager said, mom, stop. Just stop. You're making, you're freaking me out by doing all this stuff. And so she learned to just pick her position and stay there. Now, here was my position. I, I would hold the handle up here, right? White knuckle it up here. And then I would hold the armrest right here. And I stayed that way the entire time, or at least I tried to stay that way the entire time that I was teaching uh, Seth how to drive. And, and, and by doing that, I didn't hit the imaginary brake. I just squeezed right here because this was my position, right? I didn't do this parent move. Do you know this parent move? Like when you hit the brakes or when they hit the brakes and you feel like you can stop them, that's it, it, ridiculous. But I didn't do that. Pick your position and stay there. Now, if you get nothing out of today's message, at least you have that. So you're welcome for that. But let's talk about trust some more because here's the deal with trust. We don't trust others very easily, do we? We, we don't trust the government very easily. A lot of this, this COVID-19 is showing us that. We don't trust any authority very easily, y'all, because trust is scary. But what Jesus is showing us here is that there is one that we can always trust, that we can always trust this fully present and fully connected God. There's one that we can always place our care into his hands. You see, church, to those who are here listening, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, the curtain has been torn to show you that you can fully trust God. And so what kind of prayer do we pray when we feel drained? Here's the deal. If Jesus can entrust himself to God, when he is being drained out, when the life from him is, is draining out, then we can trust God when we feel drained. Right? When I feel drained, I can trust God. You see, you and I can place our care into the hands of God. This means the stress which drains you right now, you can place in the hands of God. It means the chaos which drains you, you can place in the hands of God. The frustration which drains you right now, you can place in the hands of God. The distrust that you have for the government or any authority right now, guess what? You can place that in the hands of God.
the bills that you have, you can place your fear in the hands of God. Those crazy kids that are up in your house right now, you can place them in the hands of God and leave them there for a little bit, right? The technology that doesn't work and frustrates you to no end, you can place that frustration in the hands of God. You see, whatever is draining you, you can place in the hands of God. And Jesus shows us how. Look at his next, his next two words. His next two words are, I commit. I commit. You see, Jesus voluntarily suffered on the cross. No one took Jesus's life from him. He gave it up. There was this practice that the Roman guards would do when someone had been on the cross and they had suffered for a long time. They would, they would help speed up the, 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 the process of death. And they would take a spear and they would stab it into the side of the person who was hanging on the cross to, to, to help them die quicker. And, and when they did that to Jesus, he was already dead. You see, no one, no one took Jesus's life from him. He was a willing sacrifice. He gave his own life. Now, why, why would Jesus do that? He did that so that the curtain could be torn. He did that so that, so that we could enjoy this continual presence with God. He did that so that God's presence would be obviously and fully available to everyone. And so why did Jesus give up his life on that cross so that you and I could have a personal relationship with the God who loves us and the God who created us? That's why. That's what we call the gospel. That's what we call the good news, that what Jesus did on that cross provided a way for us to have a personal relationship with the God who is fully available. Jesus died so that you and I can have a full life by being fully connected to God. Now, maybe this is your next step. Maybe, maybe you could commit your life today to this fully connected God. Because you see, here's the deal with trust. Trust is always given, it's never taken, right? And our God is a very polite God. He won't take your trust from you. What he will do is he will extend his hands and he will ask you to place your cares in his hands right? He will ask you to place your anxieties in them. He will ask you to place your sin in his hands. He will ask you to place your soul into his hands, but he won't steal it from you. And so the question I have for you to consider for just a minute is, is, is what do you need to place in Jesus's hands today? What do you need to place in God's hands today? And I want you to think about this as we continue, because I'm going to show you how to do this in just a minute. Because look at what Jesus commits to God. He says, Father, into your hands I commit, and then his final two words were my spirit. Now, the great theologian Chris Pratt, all right, great is an exaggeration, theologian is even an exaggeration, but Chris Pratt did actually give this incredible speech when he accepted his MTV Our Generation Award a few years back. He gave the nine rules of Chris Pratt. And in those nine rules, one of the things he said was this. He said, you have a soul be careful with it. Now here's what Chris Pratt understood. He understood, be careful in whose hands you place your soul. Be careful with who you trust your soul to. 
Now, he said he trusted his soul into the hands of God because one of his later rules in his thank you speech, he said this. He said, God loves you and wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. That's what he said. And then he said this a little bit later. He said, and learn to pray. It's easy and it's so good for your soul. You see, Y'all, listen to this. I never in a million years thought I would say this in a sermon, but Jesus and Chris Pratt agree. And here's what they agree on, that you can trust your soul to God. Now, maybe this is what you could do today. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus's offer of salvation, and maybe you've been trusting your soul, putting it in the hands of the wrong people. Maybe you've trusted your soul into the hands of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a spouse or even a best friend, and they gave it back to you. And when they gave it back to you, it was tattered and it was torn. Maybe it's time for you to put your soul into the hands, the only hands worthy of holding your soul. You see, maybe you feel drained because you need God to fill you up. You see, when I feel drained, I commit my soul to God. Now, if this describes you, if this is your next step, then saying yes to Jesus' offer of salvation is what you can do right now. And like Chris Pratt said, learning to pray is easy and it is so good for your soul. And so maybe if, if you're one of the people that wants to say yes to Jesus right now, let me just, just tell you a very simple prayer that you can pray right now. You can just close your eyes and, and bow your head or you can keep your eyes open and look up to the sky, whatever, and just say, God, thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. I place my soul in your hands. I say yes to Jesus and yes to following him. And maybe that was your first prayer to say to God. Maybe that was the first time Jesus's name was mentioned on your lips in a way that it is intended to be mentioned. If some of you, those of you who said yes to Jesus in this simple prayer with me. Listen, I would be honored to follow up with you and help you grow in your spiritual life and follow up with you. You can just email me at fred at fellowshipashville.com and just say, I said yes to Jesus and and me uh, or one of our staff will follow up with you and we'll help you in your new relationship with God. But see, many of you have already said yes to Jesus, right? You've already committed your soul to God. And for you, I wonder if there's another application here in this passage. Because when we look at this passage through the empty tomb and we see that through an empty tomb, this full life is available to us, this full life connected to a a fully present God, maybe for you, your next step is this, that when I feel drained, I commit my day to God. Maybe for you, this is the application. That for you, your your soul committed to God, you've already done that. And with your soul committed to God, maybe your committed soul to God and the day ahead of you are on two different sides of the curtain. Maybe those two things are separated. If so, I've got a simple task for you to do today. Here's what I want you to do. Each morning, I want you to simply pray about your day. And here's what I want you to pray. Here's what I do. I take my journal and I write down everything that needs to get done for the day. And then I pray, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? After I've written everything that I want to do, everything that I feel like I need to do, 
I asked Jesus, what do you want me to do with my day? I trust you with my day. And then I also ask, how do you want me to do these today? So not only what do you want me to do, but how do you want me to do them? And then Jesus usually brings a word to mind for me. It's a word of peace or calm or to trust me or have joy or find joy in your day. And this becomes my way to trust God with my day. I'll tell you a real quick of a story that happened. I was, I was asking Jesus, what do you want me to do today? And I actually had a very few things to do on my list. Each thing, you know, it's one of those things where you have like a, a phrase and then, but that phrase means like three hours worth of work, you know? So I had a very few things written down on there, but all of them seemed very manageable. And, and uh, I, I felt the spirit of God say, be calm today. And I was like, I already am calm. This is great. I checked that off the list too. Well, what I didn't know is I was going to get a call that day from a family that was in the middle of a crisis. And they needed their pastor to be a calm, soothing voice for them. And I think if, if Jesus hadn't spoken that word of being calm today before that storm came, I'm not sure how I would have reacted. But I was reminded by the Holy Spirit to just be calm and by God's grace, I was, and I was able to pray with them and to pray for them. And that was because I trusted Jesus with my day. And so what would it look like for you to pray a prayer of trust over your day to God? You see, here's what it's done for me. Each day I see the better tasks ahead for me. Now, sometimes it's spending time with my family instead of work. Sometimes it's remembering to pray for someone. Sometimes it's, 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 it's remembering to call them or text them or connect with them in some way. And sometimes it's to work hard and sometimes it's to take a break. What do you need to place in the hands of God to be filled up again? What was that thing that came to your mind when I asked you a little bit ago? Well, let's let this be what you place in God's hands today. Which, by the way, that's our final word up on the cross, is hands. And so what do you need to place in the hands of God today? What do you need to trust God with today? Because when you do, you will be fully connected to this fully present God. And when you're fully connected to this fully present God, guess what you get to have today? You get to have a full life. So who wants a full life with me? Who wants a fully connected life with this fully present God? I know I do. How about you? Well, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are this fully present God who desires to fully connect with us, no matter who we are, no matter what we are, no matter what condition we're in, no matter what condition our soul is in. I thank you that you are there with arms and hands outstretched asking us to place our cares into your hands. And I pray for us today that we would do that. That whatever, whatever is draining us, Father, that we would place that into your hands and that you would give us back hope, that you would give us back the energy that we need. You would give us back the word that we need to move us through the day trusting you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.